Welcome to the April 21st, 2022 podcast of Wisdom Today. Hello, my name is Bill Kelly. I'll be your host today. Today we'll be going over Proverb 21. Before we begin, let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for everyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you would open their ears to hear and their heart to receive what you would have them receive from this podcast. I pray that you would draw them closer to you each day because of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin with Proverb 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. The violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. The way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. When the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous God wisely considers the house of the wicked, overthrowing the wicked for their wickedness. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a bribe behind the back strong wrath. It is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. A proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name, he acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more 
when he brings it with wicked intent. A false witness shall perish, but the man who hears him will speak endlessly. A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Today we are going to key in on two verses that are very similar to each other. In verse 9 it says, Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And 19 says, Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. I'm going to begin by giving a definition of contention. And in the dictionary, it says contention is heated disagreement. And synonyms of contention are conflict, discord, dissension, strife, or variance. And in our two verses today, they talk about a contentious woman. But ladies, do not fear. This could happen to guys as well. The point is, contention is not of God, and we should not look at contention as being a part of our lives. No one wants any part of that. Contention can be caused by the guy, it can be caused by the girl, or it could even be caused by teenage children if you allow that to go on in your house. Contention can come from anywhere. It doesn't mean um, nobody's, you know, it can be from anyone. The point is, it's not good. And wherever contention is, there's going to be issues. In Proverbs 13.10, it says, Only by pride comes contention. In James 3, verse 16, it says this, For where envying and strife or contention is, there is confusion and every evil work. Guys, in our society today, there is plenty of contention. This country has really, really become divided in many, many ways. And it's not good. I can tell you, contention is never the plan of God. And wherever there is contention, God is not in it in any way, shape, or form. Let's look at this in Scripture if we go back to the beginning in Genesis, in chapter 13, and last week I introduced you to Abraham, and I told you that he's the father of our faith, but in chapter 13, his name has not been changed to Abraham yet, so at this point in Scripture, he is still referred to as Abram. But beginning in chapter 1 of chapter 13... Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, 
to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So Abram gave Lot the choice of which direction he wanted to go, because Abram knew that the Lord was with him, and regardless of which way he went, that he would be blessed. And these are the Lord's words to Abram. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Abram had made a covenant with God, and because of that, Abram was blessed. And guys, as children of God, we are also blessed. So we live in this society that we live in today. Even though there is a lot of contention, we do not have to be a participant in that contention. We don't have to live that way. The Bible gives us very clear instructions on how we are to live. Last week, last week I introduced you to Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and I'm going to give you three references today. One from the letter of Romans, first of all, in chapter 12. And in chapter 12 of Romans, beginning in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is very clear. We live in this world, but the Bible tells us that we are not of this world. We do not have to conform to the way that the world does things. We are not supposed to live life that way. We are to be the salt of the earth. People are to know that we are different than they are. And if you're truly following God, it will become very evident that you are different than most normal people. Now, in the letter to the Philippians in Philippi, this is what Paul says in chapter 2. Beginning in verse 3, he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Guys, this is how we are to live our lives. We are not only to think about ourselves, but we are to think about other people first. And if you live that way, people are going to notice and tell that you are different than they are. Because this is not the way our world tells us we are to live our lives. Our world tells us that we are to be thinking about ourselves and what is in it for us. We are to be selfish people, but that totally contradicts how the Bible tells us we are to live our lives. And in the great love chapter, this is in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I mentioned last week about Corinth and how awful it was, and Paul realized he had to write a letter to them and give them instruction for how they were to live their lives. But in chapter 13, which is many often referred to as the great love chapter, beginning in verse 4, this is what it says. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. What an awesome, awesome portion of Scripture. This is how we are to live our lives. The Bible tells us to love our enemies. Is that easy to do? Absolutely not. You know, when I first heard that, it was really interesting to me because I said, how in the world are you to love your enemies? In our flesh, we cannot do that. But once we give 
our lives to Jesus and we invite Jesus to come into our heart and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can learn to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. And we can actually learn to love people who we don't like, who we are different than. Guys, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I will give you an opportunity to do that today. If this message has spoken to you and you feel you need to take that step and you would like to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, repeat this simple prayer after me. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to earth. Jesus, thank you that you came down to earth and you lived life both fully God and fully man. You gave us an example of how we are to live our lives on earth. You were willing to die on a cross for me so that my sins would be forgiven. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe on the third day you rose from the dead. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you said that prayer today, I'd like for you to reach out to me and send me a quick email. My email is Kelly. K-E-L-L-E-Y 0807 at protonmail.com May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.